You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome into the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Today we have Azita Neja Dehan of Louisiana Tech Football. Azita, welcome in. Hey man, thank you so much for having me and great, great attempt on my last name. That is probably one of the best I've heard. <laughs> I appreciate it. I figured I'd give it a shot. So for those of you who don't know who you are, why don't you give a little bit of introduction to of who you are? Sure. So uh, my name is Azita, and at, like you said, I'm here at Louisiana Tech football right now, um, but I would say that my journey getting here to be a PT with a football team is a little different um, than most other journeys or most other sports physical therapists. My background, I um, went to Maryland for undergrad, got my degree there, and then I went to grad school, PT school at Shenandoah University. Now, in our last year of PT schools, when COVID started happening, so we had this long, long pause before we got to graduate. Now, during that pause, it started to is when I started to think about what do I really want to do as a physical therapist. I knew I wanted to be in the sports realm, but that's when I started to think about, well, what does that look like and what do I need to do to get there and how can I be better at it? So I realized that something missing in the PT curriculum is strength and conditioning principles. So I started asking around, talking to a lot of strength coaches, doing a lot of networking, just to ask some baseline questions about strength and conditioning and explain to them, I'm, I'm a PT student looking to integrate those principles into my rehab. We don't get a lot of it. So then, long story short, I ended up getting an internship with Maryland football, um, strength and conditioning, just on the strength side of things, nothing to do with physical therapy. And my intention was that with that was to, like I said, learn principles in order to integrate it into physical therapy. But I ended up falling in love with strength and conditioning itself. You know, fast forward, I ended up staying there for nine months, eight months, because I loved it so much. Eventually start working, you know, we graduate, I start working as a uh, outpatient physical therapist at more of a sports clinic, impact sports physical therapy in Maryland. Um, and did exactly that, integrated a lot of those principles into my rehab. And then fast forward again, got this opportunity, and now I did the reverse. I'm on the strength side of things here. I'm working out of the weight room, but I do do both duties, act as both a physical therapist and a strength coach for the football team, um, working down here in the weight room as opposed to up in the training room. So what, um, obviously, PT school kind of puts you out as a generalist and doesn't really incorporate those um, true strength and conditioning principles, they kind of give you a, a very, you know, shallow kind of pass to make sure that you understand it. Um, but what in particular did you, were you looking for when you were like, okay, I want to make these patients stronger and the best way to do it is use these strength and conditioning principles. Was there anything that drove you to kind of get to there? Right. I, I knew we needed more in terms of exercise prescription. You know, we got a general baseline in our therapeutic exercises class of here's some exercises to do. Yeah. And the research, here's some things that have proven to work for Achilles tendinopathy, but I wanted more of the principles. I wanted to take a movement pattern, be able to progress it, regress it, know how to load, know how much to load. And that's a thing at the time I didn't realize, 
you know, we everybody talks about it now. We underload as PTs. We all know, most of us know that at this point. But at that, when I went into it, I didn't realize how much of an issue it was. And then once I was there for about a week at Maryland, I was like, wow, we are missing a lot in physical therapy when it comes to exercise prescription. I mean, it makes, I looked at what we were doing there. And I'm like, man, we are really underpreparing athletes when we send them back. So, you know, when you see that side of things at the elite level, power five level, you're watching an athlete do certain things. I'm like, man, there's no way in a, you know, small PT office with, you know, weights that go up to 10 pounds, there's no way we could get them ready. Of course not. You know, so that really just introduced me to a lot of things, exercise prescription, testing, needs analysis. What is, you know, what does a 15 year old soccer player need versus a 18 year old football player? Completely different. You know, we know that, but that's not things we specifically go into in physical therapy school. And understandably, you know, that would take, that's why people get their masters for, you know, to be a strength and conditioning coach. But it taught me that there's a lot more that we need need to learn if you want to go into sports physical therapy. Right. Absolutely. Um, And I wanted to go talk a little bit more about your internship with Maryland. Um, So you obviously were just, you were working as a strength um, intern. Uh, but what was right. something else, you know, beyond learning more about like exercise, exercise prescription, progression, regression, um, you know, communicating with other strength coaches? What's something that you kind of picked up on? Um, because as PTs in a larger sports medicine team, strength coaches are, an, you know, integral part. So what's something that we as PTs can do to better communicate to strength and conditioning staffs? Right. So in this in the collegiate setting, strength coaches often end up inheriting late stage rehab because you know we have athletic trainers and we have strength coaches most a lot of schools especially football programs don't have pts to kind of do that late stage rehab um that's a little more specialized to us so what we can do to strength coaches i think is help them understand the process a little more like i've had multiple strength coaches reach out to me saying can you explain return to play to me like help me understand it a little better I'm like man that's it's like three years of schooling. I don't know how to sit down and explain that. So, but you know, and they'll ask about specific pathologies and I'm like, well, that's not really your job to know that Like, you don't, a strength coach shouldn't know the, you know, the precautions, limitations of certain pathologies. But I think what we can help do is communicate with them those exact things, first of all. And then second of all, just principles of return to play, you know, what are we looking for, in turn, in order to be able to progress someone. It's not just pain. It's not just function. It's not just what the player is saying. It's a combination of a lot of factors that allow us to progress someone and return to play. And that's what I've heard from a lot of strength coaches is when I get a player and I'm told like, okay, they're almost ready for the field again, but just work with them and get them there. They're overwhelmed. Like, well, I don't really know where to start, where to end. And that's not, we can't sit down, like I said, and explain to them, explain to a strength coach pathology by pathology. Where do I start? Where do I end? But we can give them, I think, guiding principles to help ease that anxiety a little bit when they're given that player and put in charge of that process. Um, that's what I've done with a few strength coaches. Just explain to them it's, you know, it's not, I use the same principles regardless of what pathology it is. Um, so I think that's definitely something we can do. And then the other thing is just communication. That's missing a lot of times. I mean, you can go to a school and find out that the athletic trainers and, you know, other rehab professionals, physical therapists have never communicated to the strength coaches what limitations a person has. 
you know, I've, you can have an athlete walk in and an athlete will say, well, I wasn't really told what I can and can't do. And neither was the strength coach. So the other part of it is just communicating, communicate if there are, if it is a, you know, ACL, they're at six months, X, Y, Z, they can do, but this thing they can't do just communicating that sometimes it's on an injury report on paper, some, but you know, having that day-to-day communication is huge to help those strength coaches out when they have players that have specific impairments. Right. Um, and I forget who I talked to last on this podcast and we talked about like kind of the PT's role in the sports medicine team. And I think what you said about kind of like being the best at rehab and kind of helping other people understand what we do and, and our, and our, as our job will probably benefit Mm -hmm. people the most because everyone plays their, their, their role to the best of their ability. And that'll help the athlete in the long run. Exactly. You nailed it. Right. Um, so I wanted to go even further back. Um, so what got you into physical therapy in particular, and then even more specifically sports physical therapy? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Physical therapy was because I was in undergrad and I realized I was not smart enough to be in med school. (laughs) I was on the bio track and, you know, once I took organic chemistry, I was like, well, this is not for me. (laughs) So I ended up um, switching my major to kinesiology. But then I realized that the whole, the joke we make a lot of times about physical therapists being, uh, sports physical therapists being failed athletes was true. I was like, all right, well, (laughs) I didn't make it at the collegiate level as an athlete, but I want to stay involved in athletics somehow. And honestly, that's how it started. But then my passion ended up growing more and more because I've always had that just fire for helping other people. And then when I realized there was a job for that, you know, I was like, all right, this is a job for me. I'm not sitting at a desk. I get to help people and I get to help people get back to what they love. So that was where it started for me. And then as far as sports physical therapy, I pretty much knew that day one of PT school. Like I said, I knew I wanted to stay involved in athletics. The big thing for me was figuring out how I was going to get there you know like I went through and still to this day I'm like residency or not residency this or that fellowship or that you know all these different paths to get there and then I ended up on this weird one of strength and conditioning and PT right so um obviously like during the season you're very busy I'm sure you're like seeing athletes all the time um so kind of how do you continue to sharpen your skills um whether it be uh, learning more, taking continued education class. How do you kind of balance working full time and then also making sure you're staying up to date on evidence? That's a great question. <laughs> I think that's what we all wonder is how do we stay on top of things? So one big thing is just holding myself accountable and, you know, not being complacent. I can't just come into work every day, do my job and that's it. Never challenge myself, never look back on my own notes and say, well, what if I had done this? What if I had done this? You know, and I might even ask other people the same question, but something I do a lot is just collaborating with other PTs. You know, I'm on the phone weekly. I just got off with my friend where once a week um, we're looking at a new article, discussing it together. But the thing is, we always end that discussion with, is this going to change our clinical practice and how? We will have that discussion every time we read something. And I think that's huge um, for me to continue growing is to look at what I'm doing and say, do I need to, need to change anything? How and why? And that's usually based off of research, based off of someone else's clinical expertise. But, you know, I'm staying involved in as many things as possible outside of work. Different resources like the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy have been great for me. Just, just joined their shoulder sig and uh, have a mentor now for that. So that's 
one big thing for me. Other big thing is the level up mentorship that I did was huge. Um, anybody out there, I recommend going through level up resources, doing their mentorship program if you can, because it really challenges a lot of the systems that were taught in physical therapy school. Not that they're wrong, but they do tend to be more biomedical. Um, so level up has helped me a lot in reflecting on what I do as a clinician and, you know, doing everything I can to improve on a day-to-day basis. So all of those resources, like you said, continuing education, of course, but I definitely reflect a lot. I reflect a lot with other clinicians. I reflect a lot through programs like Level Up, and I reflect on a daily basis to look at what I'm doing. Right. And I think reflection is, is hard because you could always do better, but instead it's, it's, you know, we got to take it in a path of it's like, okay, I did, I may have messed up here, but now what can I do to improve? And that's probably the, one of the harder things to do. Exactly. Yeah. Because I know there's been cases that I've had, I mean, I've only been practicing for a year, but there's these few cases that stick out in your mind of, you know, did I do something wrong? Could I have done something better? And as much as honestly, it sucks to think about those cases because you're, I'm very hard on myself, but those are the cases that you learn from, you know? Absolutely. Um, so as you've been, you said, practicing for about a year and you said you worked in like outpatient orthopedics for a little bit um, prior to this job, mm-hmm. how does, what would you say is different? Obviously patient population is very different because you're probably dealing with, you're dealing with like high level athletes versus general population. But ha- would you say your treatment style or treatment attitude changes when you're working with like a general population person versus a high level athlete. Absolutely. I was lucky enough at where I was working. I did actually see a good amount of athletes working at a sports clinic, but still the environment is different. The stakes are different. Everything is different, especially when you're in house, a part of the team, you know, you're there for the games, you see their practice schedule. A lot of it changes when you're inside versus being a physical therapist, working at a clinic who gets that same high level athlete sent to you, your approach will still change. Cause I think being on the inside of it, okay, I'm seeing a little bit of how much is this guy doing at practice today? What's his day-to-day schedule? Like you understand a lot more of the stressors that they're given on a daily basis, as opposed to just seeing them in this one hour time frame at your clinic, you see them in the environment. And I think it's a lot different. Um, so I think the way you approach it changes just because you're part of the team, you know, you have just as much of a stake in this as they do. And you're really working together with everyone in house to try to get that athlete back. So there's just a lot of communication and it just, it's easier for me being in house. I can go upstairs and talk to the athletic trainer, the head athletic trainer. It's not a phone call for me. It's an easy walk up the stairs. Um, so The big thing for me that I did take from outpatient and bring here, though, is that one-on-one treatment style. Because, to be honest, athletes are not used to that in college. They're used to being in training rooms that are unfortunately understaffed. Our athletic trainers are working their tails off trying to get five patients back at one time. So what what I bring to the table, what I can do is sit down with them, have a one-on-one conversation with them and ask them about what they've been through. Because I think that's unfortunately not too common. Like I said, understandably, we don't have the manpower for it. But lucky, luckily enough, I've set up my schedule to be the way it would be an outpatient. I'm seeing someone on the 45-minute time slot. I get to sit down with them, ask them what they've been through, ask them questions that many athletes have told me, you know, so no one's ever asked me that before. I'm like, yeah, like, luckily I have the time to right now. I have the ability to, I have the resources to, so let's talk through this. 
talk me through what's worked in your rehab, what hasn't worked in your rehab. And this is something I'm big on because like I said, athletes are not, collegiate athletes are not used to being asked these questions in-house. You know, they're, they're used to being told what to do, but they don't understand why they're doing it. They don't, a lot of times they don't have an understanding of what's going on with their own body. So that's been a big piece for me that I took from that world and brought into here is that one-on-one attention and patient education. Um, because I think athletes in the collegiate setting need a little more empowerment in their lives. They're consistently being told where to be, what time to be there, and what to do. And this is a chance for me to sit down and talk to them about what's going on with their own body and get their input on it. So I think that's huge. Right. And I that patient education, that's a great point I that I would never have considered because um, they're kind of just being told to run you know, hit and everything, but they don't really get what's going on and they just know they need to get, do it to get back onto the field. Um, but like you said, empowering them and making sure they feel comfortable with it and having them like buy into the process is huge because that'll help only help the rehab process even more. Exactly. All right. All right. I want to use this time. So obviously a strength, huge yeah. SNC background, but I want to take this time to what or use this time to kind of give you a soapbox for what should sports, all sports PTs be using from the strength and conditioning world, um, whether you're an outpatient or in, you know, a collegiate or a professional setting, or even just in a general out, outpatient orthopedic setting, what's something that we should take from the strength and conditioning world to give to our patients? I think the big thing is just understanding loading principles, um, understand, understanding exercise prescription, exercise order, loading principles, and then a needs analysis. Um, obviously not in that order, but big concepts. People don't have to, you know, I'm not saying that physical therapists need to be out here know, knowing how to teach a power clean. It's fine if you can't do that. But understanding loading principles, especially intensity, I think is the big part that we're missing. Um, we know that we're underloading people, but now go figure out why we're underloading people. What is it, you know, what is a typical college athlete loading at? And then look at what you're doing in order to prepare to send them back to there. Are you really getting them ready? You know, so that's one big thing for me. And then other other principles, exercise order. That's something that I think PT, sports physical therapists need to understand, both within a session you're working with a patient or an athlete and within the week. You know, if you're starting off, if you're starting off your session with your strength training and not your sprinting, there's something wrong there, you know, and that's just an overarching principle that is well understood in the strength and conditioning world, how to order a training session, you know, what you're doing first versus what you're doing last. But I think there's no way that any PT school is teaching that. Understandably, that's a whole different ball game. but a sports physical therapist, if you're in an outpatient clinic working with an athlete and they walk in and you're not warming them up and then you're going straight into strength training, but then at the end you decide you want to work on sprinting, there's just a key underlying principle missing there. So that's another thing, exercise order. And then the other part of it, I think that is huge for me is for physical therapists to understand how the time of the year dictates how we are training athletes, how I train an athlete and how I rehab an athlete is completely different in season versus off season. And that's something I need to understand because that I think sports physical therapists need to understand because if you're working in an outpatient clinic and a collegiate athlete decides to leave their school and come pursue an outside source for rehab, that's great. They're taking care of their bodies. That's awesome. But if that, if that professional doesn't take the time out of their day to ask that athlete, what part of the year are you in? What's your playing time? Like, 
all these questions, then the volume could be completely unnecessary too much for that time of the year, or it could be not where it needs to be. We could add a little more volume. So that's another just underlying principle of strength and conditioning that we understand what off-season training looks like versus in-season versus preseason. that I think sports PTs could better utilize it in, edit- in order to more effectively deliver their rehab and make sure they're working with the athlete at that time of the year. Um, and a lot of that comes down to, again, communication, communicate with the school, reach out to the school's strength coach, reach out to the team's strength coach, athletic trainer, ask them what their rehab's been like, ask them what time of the year, what does the in-season, what does the training look like right now? You know, if they're squatting with, if they're already squatting with their team during training, then do you need to be squatting too on the same day doing the exact same thing? But you won't know that unless you ask. So that's another um, big part of it for me. So yeah, overall, just exercise order, exercise prescription, early and adequate loading, and then the needs analysis. Like I said, that's that's also a whole nother ball game. All right, perfect. I'm glad that I asked you that because those are all things that I will start taking into you know my own practice um, every day. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I want to kind of ask you, so right now you're currently at Louisiana Tech. Um, so you guys are in the off season, obviously. Um, so kind of give us a day in the life of what it's like to be, um, let's say, home game day or – versus like kind of off season now where you had just probably are wrapping up a few things. Yeah. Um, so right now in the off season we're you know, we have lifting groups throughout the day, 7am, 9am, 11am, or sorry, 11am, 1pm, and then 3pm. But, you know, as a strength coach, we're working, we have about 45 minutes an hour training sessions. But then where my role is a little different is Instead of taking that hour in between training groups that we have to kind of sit down and get a break, I'm working. That's when I'm filling in my time slots to work with rehab treatment sessions one on one. I like to have guys come in about 30 minutes earlier if I'm working with someone for rehab, 30 minutes earlier than their training session, so that I can I can warm warm them up specifically. Well, let's take a let's get you on the table. Let's look at that passive accessory motion. How is the foot ankle moving today? Let's get you up and do a couple of your exercises before we go into the training session so that you can squat better, you can pull from the ground better, you can overhead press better, whatever it might be for them that might be difficult during that training session. Um and then during the training session is kind of where my PT hat might turn on. I might be scanning the room saying, "All right, I know that guy's struggling with that. Let me go make this adjustment. I'm kind of making modifications on the fly based off of the physical therapy skill set, which is definitely really convenient because like we talked about earlier, otherwise it's on a strength coach to try to figure out, oh, well, I know he has this, that this was on the injury report, but I don't really know what that means or like what to do with that information. So for me, it's really easy to just kind of walk around the room and be like, hey man, change this, change this, do this instead add this on, reduce the range, but you can add some load. I'm just walking around the room scanning as I go. Um, And then, like I said, in between lifting groups, I'm doing one-on-one treatment sessions with, uh, with guys on the team. And then other than that, I mean, that's pretty much what it looks like day to day right now in the off season. We're pretty busy at this time in season was pretty much the same setup, just not as much, not as high volume of lifting. Um, or as frequent lifting. And then the other thing is um, working with the athletic trainers daily on a day-to-day basis, um, just to stay in constant communication about which guy is progressing, which guy, you know, where each guy on the team is at. And we'll, we'll go through and talk about specific guys 
every single guy on the injury report. So that's definitely been a big part of um, my day-to-day life here, whether it's off-season or in-season. And then, like you said, the game day situation, home game days, um, we would – man, it's already a couple weeks out, so I'm kind of forgetting, but – Let's see. Most of our games were actually nighttime this year, which made it a lot different. So for the nighttime home games, honestly, it was pretty relaxed, easy day, easy day for us, just because as strength coaches, what are we doing? We're just helping guys warm up. You know, what what I like about what we do here is we'll take guys specifically through warm ups just to get them activated, prep for the game, do some ballistic med ball work, um, get those central nervous systems going for the game. And then where my role comes into it is I might take guys specifically off to the side where, where I'm like, all right, I know your groin's been aggravating you, so let me pull you off and run through a couple things with you to warm you up specifically. So whereas, you know, strength coaches, like I said, we're doing the team warm-up. We're taking guys through even hours, hours prior to that team warm-up. My role is a little different because I'll take the guys where I know are struggling with specific pathologies or, you know, whatever might be going on and try to get those specific tissues prepped and ready for the game before they go into that warm up with the team. Gotcha. Um, I think that's a great, you know, unique perspective because we haven't had anybody that's, you know, doubles as a PT and a strength coach. Um, so your role is, is a little bit different and is, you know, kind of great to hear different perspectives. Um, so as you know, the season's kind of come to a wrap. Um, do you have any memory that stands out the most? Any favorite memories from the season? Yes, absolutely. Um, there is one player that I worked with that is just a great kid, was such a pleasure to work with every day. And, you know, I, I told him right off the bat, we set the expectation, let's say two to three times a week for the next however many weeks. And I told him, I don't want you to cu- stop seeing me when you feel better. I want you to stop seeing me at the end of the season if you're good to go because, you know, we you could feel good and then play in one game and then we're back to where we started. I want you to be able to maintain that throughout the season. He took that – whole step above and beyond and he saw me almost every day every day showed up and said coach what can I do today coach what can I do today just had that work ethic and was such a great kid and then um you know was playing well didn't miss a game all season despite what was going on and then the game that he scored four touchdowns he ran for four touchdowns I was just on the sideline like man this kid is awesome and there's you have a special you know, you you love all your players, but the ones that you're specifically rehabbing or any strength coach can tell you, it's just a little different when a kid in your training group, you see them do something great on the field. And so this is a kid that I've specifically worked with rehabbed and I'm watching him rush for one touchdown, then two, then three. And each time I'm just like, oh man, on the fourth one, I'm not going to lie. I got a little teary eyed. I was like, this is awesome. This is freaking great. Um, and he, you know, a couple games prior one of my other favorite moments of the season was he he had rushed for a touchdown or two the week after things had started to bother him. And he posted this Instagram story of his highlight and, you know, tagged me in it and said, shout out to Azita for getting me back on the field. And I was on, like, I could see him a few rows down on the plane and he's posting this and I'm just like tearing up on the <laughs> plane because, you know, we don't do this for ourselves, but when a player takes time out of their day to do that, it just, I had no idea, you know, I knew, I knew we get along great, but I was like, man, I wasn't expecting him to do that. That's, that's really nice. Um, so that was a great moment for me. And then a couple of weeks later when he rushes for four touchdowns, that's, I mean, that's just awesome. There's nothing like watching somebody that you worked with one-on-one, you watch them 
put in the work, do everything behind the scenes, and then you watch it pay off on the field. There's nothing better. Yeah, and I think I think that's why we all do sports PT. Um, you know, seeing people put in the right. hard work and then seeing it finally pay off for them is, is probably one of the best feelings in the world for someone that does rehab. All right. Exactly. Yeah, I got one more question for for you, Azita, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, do you have any advice for any aspiring sports PTs that wants to work at sports at any level, you know, high school, even collegially or even professionally? Absolutely. Yep. First, first big thing is going to be network. Talk to people. Um, I think one big misconception about networking is that you network in order to get a job. I don't network to get a job. I network relentlessly so I can learn about other people's experience. I get so much genuine joy out of talking to people on the phone. You know, I just talked to Jim over at Cincinnati um, with football. We talked for probably an hour and a half on Zoom and we were both like, man, this is so much fun. You know, I'm not networking him for any other purpose than to just hear how, hear his story and talk to somebody else in a similar role, similar position, and learn about what they're doing. How can I improve based off of what you're doing? How can you improve based off my experiences? That's why I network, and that's why I think other people should network. Just talk to other people. Sure, maybe down the line it'll get you a job, and that's great, but don't network for that purpose. Network for the right reasons, and I think that'll get a lot of people to where they want to go. And then the other big thing is just, you know, be relentless. I think especially as young physical therapists, we're told that, yes, you're not going to get your dream job right off the bat. You are you might not be in D1 sports within your first five years of practicing, and most people aren't. But I think don't let those expectations guide your work ethic. You know, I I knew all those things, but I still went out and sought out all these experiences with the intention of getting to my end goal. And it happened, you know, I'm getting closer to that a little faster than most people. I didn't expect to be in division one football a year out, but here I am. Um, But I think people just need to be relentless in their efforts to get there, figure out where you want to go and then figure out how you're going to get there. You know, that I've mentioned that multiple times now it's how you're going to get there and actually write it out, write out your one year plan. That's something I did um, through the level of mentorship, write out, what you want your life to look like a year from now, five years from now. Okay, now what are the steps to get there? Who do you need to talk to? What courses do you need to take? What skills do you need to sharpen? Because the skill set as a sports physical therapist is a little different. You can't come out of school and just be ready for this, you know, this realm. Maybe seek out a strength and conditioning internship. That's a big one for me that I've told a lot of people. I think, you know, even if you don't have the time for a full-fledged internship, at least volunteer two times a week. You definitely have time to volunteer two times a week at a private uh, private strength and conditioning clinic. You know, so do what you need to do to get to where you want to go and just be relentless about it. And I think that quality will get you a lot further than any certification will. All right. I think that's great advice. Um, and your, your kind of tidbit about networking is kind of like the best part about doing this podcast. I've talked to a really, a lot of really cool people who've been like super inspiring and I've loved to hear their story because they work in all sorts of different settings and they all had different paths. And that's probably been the most rewarding part about this podcast. And Azita, you have been no different. Um, you have been a great guest and uh, I couldn't have asked for anything else. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug any social media or anything like that? Sure. Um, I've never had anyone ask me that. And honestly, I'm so bad at social media. I don't even know my <laughs> handle. So let me pull it up real quick. I think on Instagram, I'm just, um, I mean, honestly, if you put in my name, I don't think there's another Zita Nejadehan in the world. But 
if you type in Azita, let's see, Azita Nej underscore PT. And then on Twitter, it's just, let's see here, at Azita Nej. And that's all I got, Instagram and Twitter. Okay, perfect. I will make sure I link those below um, so people can find kind of find your work um but again azita thank you so much for your time and this has been the latest episode of the sports rehab experts podcast all right thanks so much for having me i appreciate it huge shout out to azita formerly of louisiana tech football and currently of the st louis cardinals for coming on to the latest episode of the sports rehab experts podcast she talks much about strength and conditioning and how she combines it with her physical therapy practice. If you liked what you heard on today's podcast or want to hear more from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.